Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, for today's podcast, we're going to be discussing a number of equities as well as the wider market. And to do that, we're kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hello, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we, um, as usual, have got three equities that we're going to be discussing. Um, but let's start off by looking at these markets. I mean, I think we're going to focus particularly on the on the FTSE 100. But I think for context and, and looking what's been happening in the wider markets so far this week, it's very much been a, a story uh, which has been dominated by uh, US equity markets, mm-hmm. in particular the tech sector. Now, I think it's something that we did touch on last week in terms of the rising bond yields there causing some concerns um, for equities in the United States, particularly those ones that are classed as growth stocks. Um, Most of those are technology shares that have had a huge rally uh, since the beginning of COVID lockdowns uh, last year. Um, Saw some very sharp sell-offs, particularly in Tesla, and that gave about 30% of its value. Um, Apple fell very heavily. Amazon was also a big faller among many others. Uh, Just yesterday, we we did see a a recovery in those shares. There was a huge rally from from Tesla. Um, So it looks as though those fears over in the the United States um, around growth shares are subsiding. But I just just want to come back now, Alan, to the FTSE 100 and and some of the the companies there and, and what's um, that the moves in America could mean uh, for uh, FTSE 100 shares and whether indeed it could, it could actually be a playbook um, for looking at the FTSE 100. I mean, just taking some of uh, the, the sectors that we would class as value uh, here in London and uh, the FTSE 100, the top risers so far this year have been mainly um, commodities and, and material companies, um, Johnson Matthey, uh, one of the top risers, BP, uh, Glencore, Shell, um, very, very strong so far this year. Also, we've seen a very strong recovery in, in travel shares, in particularly IAG with airlines. That's um, something that uh, was really to be predicted when we start to reopen. And we've also seen a, a rally in the financials, which for, for some time were, were languishing, but we've seen um, full-year results coming out, uh, resumption of dividends in the bank. So they've seen uh, a rally. Now, Alan, well, these companies do form the largest um, proportion of the FTSE 100, with them posting such a strong gain so far this year. I mean, what do you think that it means for the outlook um, going forward uh, in terms of performance for the FTSE 100 if we've seen such a a strong rally and some of these shares are getting back up to levels or even above levels that we saw at the beginning of last year. Do you think that's going to put a bit of a cap on the FTSE 100 in the short term? That, that's a that's a, a very good point. And I think I think there are concerns uh, amongst many fund managers about the, the relatively rapid snapback to uh, pre-COVID levels. Um, and uh, well justified, uh, I think, in many ways. 
But um, but let's not forget that, uh, of course, the 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 index uh, well trod, obviously fell and then trod water for the large part of last year, largely due to to, to the lockdown. So. Um, in, in many ways, the new valuations reflect a resurgence in the industry, and and also uh, a pent up, you know, pent up uh, demand as well, and um, the the opportunity for people to and uh, businesses to to spend money that they hitherto haven't been able to do, and of course they've survived in many cases on furlough payments. Some businesses have have survived um, and and done very well, but um, but there is generally an expectation that uh, a, a lot of the leisure stocks will be driven by this pent up demand um, and uh, and and cash that's waiting in the wings to to go into the sector. Um, that's coupled with, of course, the the macro backdrop, which is still that. The, the 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 overall cost that coronavirus has cost the global economy and will continue to cost the global economy um, provides in my opinion an almost unrivaled uh, backdrop for long term uh, 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 growth in commodities and when I say long term of course it won't go up in a straight line we will see we will see a series of corrections and we're we're going through one now but um I, I think that you'll see, uh, if you look at it over the period of a year, you'll see commodities continue to perform strongly. The bounce back in tech stocks last night, um, I think, uh, uh, in the US indicated that uh, there's plenty of appetite there too. Um, and I think overall, there there are so many new economies coming to play, and we're going to, of course, talk about that shortly. But particularly in the in the blockchain area um there's just a huge growth opportunity emerging there that's uh, that's driving value so um so uh people are making money through uh, owning cryptocurrency through uh, mining cryptocurrencies uh, um, and uh, and also there's the new sector you and I were talking about beforehand the the era of non-fungible tokens the digitization of assets such as art music and so on it's in, that's a new economy in its own right. So, whilst we may well see some of the more traditional sectors languish, I think there is plenty out there that's going to continue to drive growth in the economy and create prosperity for individuals, companies, and countries. Yes, and there's some interesting topics that you touched on there that we'll, that we'll come on to. Um, but before we do that, I just just want to sort of explore this. Um, I mean, the balance between positive sentiment in markets at the moment and the the underlying earnings i mean we always talk about uh, the market pricing um earnings forwards you know 6 to 12 months mm. it seems as though that we've we've you know done that to some extent because we we're still looking at some relatively rich um valuations on a, on a number of stocks and that's obviously in the expectation that we see higher earnings going forward so any, any movement here, um, I, I think, would probably be around sentiment uh, around the markets. I mean, and how much do you think that sentiment could improve from here? I, I mean, we're, we're coming out of lockdown. Um, so there's obviously some positivity. We're quite a lot of positivity around that. I mean, do you think that it could improve further and, and we just see people take stocks higher um, based on sentiment? Or are we going to really need to start to see earnings improve in a broad-based um, approach to the markets for, for things to be moving higher. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, underpinning everything, uh, 
earnings are are key. And of course, you know, it, it, as we've seen before, um, you know, history uh, history has told us with the dot com bubble, um, we the expectations for earnings potential there was huge, but literally a handful of companies emerged from that era with anything like the sort of earnings that um, that uh, they were expected to deliver. And of course, that resulted in a, in a significant correction in the market at the time. Um, so we have conventional uh, company earnings. We have, uh, we have um, earnings through the new, uh, the, the new generation technologies, the, the, the battery industry, the, the move into electric vehicles, but also electric propulsion generally for all sorts of class, yeah, all sorts of vehicles, and I'm including in here marine. I'm including, um, I'm including uh, aerospace. Um, there, there, there are new areas uh, being developed uh, in 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 terms of propulsion, and of course, we've seen what uh, the likes of um, Elon Musk uh, with SpaceX have have been able to achieve, um, which is something that would normally be the realm of um, of NASA or the or the US government is now being achieved by private individuals. So I think I think there's huge scope in technology and and the emergence of um, the opportunities in blockchain in particular um, and the strength, the underlying strength of the commodity sector going forward, which makes up a huge percentage of the FTSE 100. I think that will negate and offset any weakness in other areas, both in terms of earnings and, of course, um, uh, a general underperformance. Indeed, indeed. So let, let's stay on this subject now of technology and in particular blockchain. And with the first equity that we're going to discuss today, um, just underwent a funding round, Argo Blockchain. Um, huge rally um, over the last six months. Um, looks as though the board's capitalising on that for, for raising further funds uh, at these higher levels to to help fund growth going forward. But what's uh, what's happening there, Alan? Well, this is a fantastic success story, isn't it? I mean, it's you know the the uh, the share, just the the highs and lows of the year t- tell tell their own story. But the year low for Argo Blockchain has been two point six p. The year high has been three pound thirty nine pence, and we're currently trading at two pound forty four. And of course, as you rightly said, the company has just raised uh, twenty six point eight million uh, via a primary bid uh, funding round at two p. Got that away uh, um, substantially, and the, the shares have have risen dramatically since then. But I might have with good reason. So, so Argo Blockchain is um, its business is a crypto. It's a cryptocurrency miner, um, and and of course, um, uh, basically, you create Bitcoin through the process of mining. Um, and mining Bitcoin essentially is the process of solving a computational puzzle. To create a new uh, uh, to to create Bitcoin, and of course to do this, you need huge amounts of processing power, and you know in some cases, well in most cases, huge amounts of electricity. So of course the challenge for these Bitcoin miners has been finding uh, has been finding areas where they can mine Bitcoin, get cheap energy, uh, and obviously renewable energy if that's possible, um, and also uh, a benign environment to enable to 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 enable that process to. To, uh, to to continue at as low cost as possible, and Argo have done that spectacularly well. Um, so they've they've created a series of energy efficient operations across North America, uh, forty five megawatts of active mining power at present. And there's a some of the terminology here. I'm just getting to know myself. 
um, has the most efficiency, uh, the, the greatest amount of efficiency in, and creates the highest amount of petahashes or petahashes pH per megawatt. And that's the, that's the efficiency in producing a, a Bitcoin. But um, I said it's based on numbers. And I mean, the numbers tell, tell their own story. Um, so, and of course, the great thing about being an efficient cryptocurrency miner is that you can earn cryptocurrency without having to, to pay for it. Um, and literally for Argo blockchain, it is a license to print money, To uh, if you'll excuse the pun. So in February, the company announced that it mined 93 Bitcoin in January as compared to 96 in December, um, which generated the mining revenues of 2.4 million um, versus 1.6 million in, in December. Um, uh, during that time, uh, the, the company saw a margin of 71%. So, you know, highly efficient, uh, uh, high, highly efficient uh, uh, profit margins uh, and levels of profitability. Um, also, it completed share agreements for share purchase agreements for two data centers in Canada, in Quebec, and took a 25% stake in um, in Pluto Digital Assets, uh, which is a, is itself a decentralized technology investor. It initially invested one million at three p, and uh, it's got warrants with those uh, shares exercisable at six p. Um, then we start March, and um, uh, the, the 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 numbers improved again. 129 Bitcoin mined in March. That's versus 93. Uh, in in uh, in February, um, a monthly margin of eighty one percent. So the margins improved by ten percent again, um, and it's just expansion all the way. It's bought a three hundred twenty acre plot in Texas to expand its mining operations, and of course, as we've just said, it raised twenty six point eight million via primary bid. Um, uh, but, uh, but on on to Texas, and the the companies said that the the uh, region offers the cheapest renewable energy worldwide um, and it's a popular jurisdiction as well for blockchain firms so clearly uh, by buying this uh, huge plot it's going to uh, be generating um, many many more many more bitcoin once it's up and running but also very significantly and a a bit of history um, the the chief executive peter wall who's been um, instrumental in driving this growth said he will from now on receive his salary in bitcoin only and he is the first chief executive in the world to do that so highly significant move but uh, okay it's had a year, an incredible year the company now has a valuation of 891 million so um yes you can say from a t- technology standpoint it's a racy valuation but also that was partly boosted by listing on the otc in the us given of course the operations are in the us um and i think uh, i think uh, given the way it's growing the amount of bitcoin it has in its in its uh, reserve assets um I think the rate of growth here really tells its own story. And in my opinion, thoroughly wants the valuation the company has. I mean, Alan, one of the biggest concerns around Bitcoin mining is the amount of electricity that it uses. Um, you know, is it sustainable? And then, of Ooh. course, you know, the, the cost of, of doing so. I mean, is, is there a point um, where the mining of, of Bitcoin um, becomes, you know, more more expensive than um, the, the actual revenue that they get from it. Um, sort of going forward, I mean, the, the way that the um, the mining process develops. I mean, with a price that we're looking at around fifty thousand dollars on Bitcoin, 
of course it's profitable but is there is there a point where where costs go up and then bitcoin falls that then operations then then cease to to become economic that's a very good point and i think therein lies the the, the risk in buying into a company like this because of course if there is a spectacular fall in the price of bitcoin um and we've seen it happen um and it being a being such a, a highly rated technology asset, it's going to be volatile. That will continue, but um, I think with Argo blockchain, the telling issue is the margin. And of course, the the margin improved from seventy one percent to eighty one percent in February to eighty one percent in March. So that says a lot to me that they've got a very efficient operation. And of course, let's not forget, just as Bitcoin develops and, and the cryptocurrency world develops. Um, we've seen the emergence of non-fungible tokens as a new uh, as a new asset class, which are going to be absolutely huge this year. Um, uh, just as these are developing, so the technology um, and the the hardware required to uh, produce Bitcoin will uh, become more efficient too. So, um, I my my view would be that given where we're at. Um, it will. We will see, uh, firstly, renewable energy sources being utilised to the max. Uh, possibly solar solar power being utilised more effectively too. Um, but also other areas such as the actual the actual uh, uh, hardware required to produce um, Bitcoin that will become more efficient in time too. So, I think I think one will one will cancel out the other. Indeed, certainly going to be an interesting. Uh sector to to watch um through 2021 so alan now now moving on um to i think we should there's two more here but let's start with um tertiary minerals ones that we've discussed um previously i mean last year we saw the price dip beneath 0.2 of a penny but we have seen so far this year um a spike up above 0.6 it's dropped off since but um, there must be um, some updates there that are worth touching on. What's been happening there? Okay, so so we're back to mining in the conventional sense of the word now, Jonathan. But, yeah. uh, but certainly, um, I mean, tertiary minerals, just to briefly summarise, has a multi-commodity project portfolio. Um, it, has, uh, it also has a gold project in Finland where it earns royalties and um, the company uh, Orion Resources are drilling, uh, currently drilling the Kuroselka Finland gold project. And uh, alone, that probably gives a valuation of about two million pounds to to tertiary. Before we get into the into the the Nevada projects, and of course in Nevada we've got the Pyramid Gold and Silver project, the Paymaster Polymetallic project, the Mount Silver Mount Tobin Silver project, the Pegleg Polymetallic uh, project. We also have uh, uh, further acquisitions uh, um, there, namely the. Um, the, the Brunton Pass uh, copper project um, and uh, also the, the, the Lucky uh, Copper project has progressed as well. So the company has, over the past six months, undertaken a series of surveys, soil sampling um, and, uh, as, and, and assay, assay testing or, or, or the um, uh, preparation of assay results to report to the market. And today we've had um, the results back from Pyramid, which are, are very encouraging. Um, the company said that um, uh, rock tip samples uh, had revealed uh, um, up to 314 grams per ton of silver. 
um, and, uh, and 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 gold gold numbers was were uh, uh, were pretty impressive uh, up to six point two nine grams per ton. And this is just from soil sampling. That's before they go into the ground. Um, so the they've also looking at the um, area of the pyramid project, um, the western line anomaly in the region. Uh, they they uh, say will now extend down to the southeast, um, taking the area to a total of 1,700 uh, square metres. Um, and Patrick Sheaton, the chairman this morning, said that, you know, the this was solid, uh, solid progress uh, with mineralization being confirmed across a much larger area. So um, so the company is going to start follow-up work later this month. But uh, um, in a sense, what we've had today is validation that the the asset is worth uh, worth pursuing um, uh, we'll we'll then get to the point where they'll start drilling, and of course, uh, if the if the samples that they find further down uh, bear out or are, are stronger than the samples they're finding on the surface, then I think we could uh, we could see uh, a material development in terms of tertiary's valuation in in the marketplace. But even so, um, on today's news, as you rightly say, there's um, the, the the share price hasn't really progressed currently with a market cap of just over five million um, at 0.4p. Um, the other thing for shareholders is too that um, the company had a share subscription agreement with Precious Metal Capital Group, and that uh, that has now been completed. So the six hundred thousand uh, investment that came in through that, the shares from that have now all been issued. So in a sense, what was an overhang in the market has disappeared. So I think as the results come in, we're going to see tertiary uh, uh, the, the tertiary uh, uh, share price progress and uh, and. Uh, uh, well, uh, I, I think I think most people expect it to probably push on to a penny before uh, uh, before the summer. I mean, Alan, they have a number of uh, of projects they're working on. Is is there any one standout project uh, for you that Tertiary is working on at the moment? Well, I th- the, 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 what attracts me about uh, about the, this area is that uh, uh, they're based in the Walker Lane Gold Belt in Nevada. Um, and that, that region is the fifth largest gold producer in the world. And um, uh, according to the industry, it's the number one most desirable mining jurisdiction. So um, so there are so many successful gold mines. You've got the Goldfield, uh, the Goldfield mine. You've got Comstock, uh, Tonopah. Um, and these are all uh, uh, gold assets in the region of 4 million ounces. Comstock is 8.3 million ounces with 192 million ounces of silver. So it, it's it's a rich, fertile area. Um, so uh, I think any one of these, um, uh, you know, Pyramid, Gold and Silver, Paymaster, any one of these could 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 turn into a multi-bagger or a multi-million ounce um, asset. So uh, what, I, what I like is that uh, th- there's an equal chance with all of them. There isn't one particular standout here because all of them are in this really fertile region. Fantastic, fantastic. So, as I said at the beginning, one that we have uh, discussed in some detail before, and I'm sure one that we'll touch on again as we get um, further updates. So, moving on, um, still in the in the gold sector, um, we've got Conroy Gold and Natural Resources PLC. Um, they've regu- uh, released their six months um, report very recently. And yesterday we had a further update from them. Alan, what's uh, what's been get- happening there? Okay, so uh, Conroy Gold has uh, a, a number of uh, gold mining assets uh, 
uh, in northeastern uh, Ireland, um, uh, County Longford, County Down, um, uh, in an area called the Longford Down Massif. And um, they have the Clontebret, Clay Lake, Glenish and Sleevegar um, assets uh, with a uh, with a combined jork estimate resource of 517,000 ounces of gold. So um, they, they've got that line in the sand. They've actually got the value in the ground there. Now, last year, uh, the company announced a joint venture with Anglo-Asian Mining to develop uh, a mine at Quantibret and to continue exploration. And it was a, it was a, it was a staged uh, investment where they would come in and certain milestones would be achieved and then more money would be invested. Um, and this seemed to go quiet. So um, during the year, uh, Conroy continued to progress the, the, the projects um, and also, of course, uh, it, it's not just based in Ireland. There is a uh, it has uh, assets in Finland in the Latman gold built um, close to the Kittler underground gold mine, which is the uh, which is the largest gold mine in Europe with four point four million ounces of gold um, under the ground there. So, um, so during the year, the company has um, has raised funds. Um, also, uh, the warrants uh, that were issued with shares previously were in the money so it's raised a decent amount of money and is well funded uh, going forward um so with the results on february 26 the company um the company said that uh, it had terminated discussions with anglo-asian but at the same time had entered a joint venture with a company called demir export in turkey um and this is significant because demir export in turkey uh, have a valuation of some five and a half billion where Whereas, of course, Anglo-Asian had a had a had a valuation of some 180 million. So this is a much larger company, and there's a there's a firm agreement that uh, Demir will spend an initial four and a half million euros to earn a 25 percent um, um, option uh, option into the Clontibret mine, um, then a further 15 percent for a further four and a half million euros uh, in phase two, um, and to then to get the mine to construction ready status. Uh, whatever funds will be required will be put in, um, and uh, at that point, Demir will own earn an extra seventy and a half percent. That brings them to a total of fifty-seven and a half percent. Of course, with Conroy retaining forty-two and a half percent, including what's uh, termed as a carry loan to uh, for for capital expenditure required to take the mine through to commercial. Uh, uh, production. Um, once the agreement is uh, approved, Demir will make an initial euro, uh, an initial one million euro cash payment, um, and the it's, it's term project in this. So we're going to see, um, I imagine, before um, b- before very long, that uh, that uh, step being taken, and uh, then work will will start to develop Clontibret. And I think at that point, uh, Conroy Gold is currently trading thirty six p. Um, the shares have really traded relatively flat. Um, they've traded as high as, as 36p on the year. So, so we're um, we're seeing a fairly flat study performance. Um, but I think once that happens, then we will see um, we'll, we'll we'll see a re-rating of the company. But also to um, to add um, further drivers for the share price, uh, the company announced uh, uh, the company announced yesterday uh, that it had completed uh, as. Um, Work, some work at the Sedankila um, asset in Finland, which, of course, as I said, is close to the Kittler gold mine. Um, it had completed a ground magnetic survey and identified potential gold-bearing structures. Um, 
they've also delineated several, well, multiple, in fact, uh, potential drill targets from the survey. Um, and uh, at the same time, they've made further applications for additional copper and gold targets in northern Finland. So it is, there's certainly some, some value out there. Um, and uh, they'll be progressing the, the Finland project at the same time as the project Innis is developing as well. So I think there are several drivers here to push the, push the stock higher. I think the key one, though, for investors is going to be the initial payment made by Demir once the final, uh, once the definitive agreement has been signed and uh, and, and signed and sealed. So uh, that's that we're expecting in the next uh, next few months. I mean, Alan, Alan with um, uh, Conroy, of course, I've got the, the payment coming from Denier, but I mean, sort of going out past that, I mean, what, what does their sort of funding situation look like in terms of ongoing operations in, in terms of drilling? Are they going to have to be sort of bringing in other partners or, or is this Denier going to be able to, the payment from Denier, sorry, is this going to be able to keep them funded for some time until they could possibly see um, you know, more positive results from the drill program that would, that would warrant maybe a farming um, going forward? Or is this a case that you think there may be some uh, some form of capital needed to be raised at some point, um, you know, in, in a not too distant future? Well, the company raised, I think, uh, uh, something like 1.2 million last year uh, in terms of placings. And there's also been some half a million raised in warrant exercises too so certainly for the foreseeable future we've got the company is is well funded for the uh for, for the work it needs to needs to do for now but once demir come in then effectively they will be funding the development of of the mine um through to construction status so so whilst conroy will obviously be divesting um you know over half of the the value of it um that uh, they know for that they know for a fact through the Jork resource estimate, there are five hundred and seventeen thousand ounces there, and um, a lot of the research they've undertaken in the region uh, indicates that there's a lot more to be found. And of course, this is uh, a, a, a an area that has a great history of mining. There are some twenty lead mines, copper mines, and timony mines uh, um, across the area. So it, it's been well mined in the past, but as we've found out so so frequently uh in the past with with modern mining techniques desktop uh, analysis um um and and data analysis data analysis techniques used today um old projects can be brought back to life and rejuvenated and new opportunities discovered and that's that's certainly been the case with the with the the, the longford down massive uh, series of of projects the companies uh, has developed, and of course, Professor Richard Conroy. He's um, he's a he's an aging entrepreneur. He's been in the business for many years, and um, he's highly respected. And uh, I, I think I think uh, at this stage now, he'll be determined to get this across the line, um, both to to bring the mine into production, and also, of course, um, you know, there'll be a, a lasting legacy there for for him going forward. Fantastic. So, Alan, thank you. Thank you very much. So just as um, a recap there on the stocks that we've discussed today, um, Tertiary Minerals trades under the ticker of TYM. Um, Argo Blockchain trades under the ticker of ARB. And just then was Conroy Gold and Natural Resources with a ticker of CGNR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be here. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.